We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Enterprise Bank member FDIC. And yes, we are going on during the match. I don't know why. Oh, darn. Oh, man. So right. sad about this. That's Craig Stout, by the way, in case you didn't know. Hey, hey. you me this week. Thanks, Hold buddy. up. That is the reigning champion of Youthful Regis's latest game, Craig Stout, to you, sir. Yeah, that bonus point was was helping Craig Stout live right. You know what? I, I feel like we should play another game. Um, I just feel like, for whatever reason, luck is on my side when Youthful Regis is on this podcast. I don't know why, but I, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's favoritism. No, Youthful Regis wouldn't do that. But no. uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, yeah, one of these times, I would love to get in there with one of these Youthful Regis games, but it's just, unfortunately, our schedule's... You yeah. know, a lot of overlap. We can't make it work. But when I watch it back, it's it's nice to see Craig come out on top here. Uh, Kent, like you had a chance, buddy. And I did. I and honestly, you know, I was. It's just it's the little it's the little details that keep you from achieving a championship. Uh, there's some little details that kept the Philadelphia Eagles from winning a championship in February. We'll be talking about them today, as well as the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about a, a really good football team and also the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are doing what they do best in a championship-type setting, beating a team from San Francisco, uh, currently whooping Steph Curry and Clay Thompson up and down the golf course. It's not fair. Clay doesn't know where he lost his boat keys. <laughs> The be- the best part of this is Mahomes has definitely had a few bounces, and the whole NFL is probably tweeting out, "Of course Mahomes gets that bounce. Of course that fa- of course that ball falls there." No, he's just hey. Brandon Graham is 
blaming the fairways right now for yeah. why uh, Patrick Mahomes is having success. Or is he talking yeah. about his acting skills? Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this uh, this is going to be 100%. We're, we're going to be just bitter. and well, It's not even bitter. We're just going to be clapping clapping a lot here i have a feeling on this show but thanks to everybody that's hanging out hit the like button hit the subscribe button appreciate y'all uh for coming through we are doing our season preview game by game team by team more like more like it uh because obviously the chiefs play a couple teams uh twice a year but we are starting this beautiful day this beautiful episode with week 11 monday night football uh against uh the nfc's best that wasn't good enough uh, in February. The Philadelphia Eagles. Craig, what's the quality of the roster that wasn't good enough to beat the Chiefs? I mean, you say it's not good enough, but it's really damn good. Like, this is this is the team in the NFC. It, it's rare that we get through an entire offseason that we don't basically, you know, kind of re-rack a lot of the teams. Sure, when we look at the AFC, the Chiefs are always going to be contenders, going to be near the top. But you can you know, justifiably make cases for rosters to maybe have a shot, sans Patrick Mahomes, of contending in the AFC. The NFC this year, the Eagles absolutely had a, another hell of an offseason. They added a whole bunch of guys that are going to be major contributors. They've retained a lot of the talent that was really good. This is a really good football team that got better. And I, I really, the rest of the NFC, I feel like just kind of went, yeah, it's their year this year. We're going to let them have all this. We're going to let them go all in, going to take all these swings and let them have the best roster in the NFC because it's, I don't think it's particularly close. I'm curious what you guys think, but I think this is easily the best roster in the NFC. Uh, I think. I think they'll have some competition, right? Like, I think it depends on what happens with San Francisco's quarterback situation. How did, does Purdy return to form? Do they get some kind of jump from Trey Lance? Because I think that's a good team. I think the Cowboys have a solid roster as well, if I'm going to be honest. Like, they might be right there with Eagles. And they played them pretty close when they played. It's like, I think there's some competition. But most likely, I think the Eagles are going to be the best team in the NFC. That seems like the most logical thing here. Uh, I do think they lost some stuff, though. They lost uh, their right guard from last season, and they're replacing him with Tyler Steen who I, from Alabama, who I think we all assume is going to be pretty good. We all kind of liked him. But that's still you know, uh, somebody switching up on an offensive line that was a very big strength of this team that they are going to have to like work into. I also believe they're going to have you know, a little bit of shakeup there on the interior and then on the defensive side. They lost both starting safeties. And yes, they drafted Sidney Brown. They brought in Terrell Edmonds to replace them. But a big, pretty good strength of them last year was their entire secondary play together. And then we saw them against the Chiefs. That secondary was picked on a little bit. And so mm -hmm. now you're going to replace two stronger guys on that unit with, you know, Terrell Edmonds, who's always kind of been okay. And then a rookie, it could be a little bit of a growing pain there for them. So there are some question marks on this team. Same thing. They also lost, I think, believe both starting linebackers to free agency. Now they had drafted Nicobe Dean last year. They have guys to fill the shoes, but they've they did lose some players. So I they have a chance to be better for sure as they gel together and this roster is exceptionally good. But I think there's a chance you could see a small step back just in the continuity of some of these positions or with some of these talented but new players kind of stepping in to take the roles of guys that clearly played well together. Yeah, all, all all things. I'm just, without being, you know, silly. This is a ridiculously talented roster. 
is a very good football team with a lot of talented pay- players on paper. You know, it all it, it looks even better. You know, you look at like a Jalen Carter, and we'll see uh, it, what if if you know, we'll get to we'll get to him. I'm sure at some point here, but this is yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a I think it's really well built. Like I mean, you you give you give credit to Howie Roseman because he's got a lot of talent, and on paper there's a lot of talent. Like some of these guys, you could see Brandon Graham or Fletcher Cox start to fall off a little bit here. You know, you never know when they get on the wrong side of thirty. But on paper right now, it looks like a super talented football team, and it, it definitely is. Uh, it just wasn't good enough to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. What's the quality of this coaching staff? Do you think that that's part of the reason? I mean. <sighs> Listen, I, I Jonathan Gannon for all the derision that we as Chiefs fans can probably you know kind of throw his way was pretty good for this defensive roster. Got those guys to really play, line up, play at a pretty high level for most of the year. Moving on from him, and yes, you know he, it remains to be seen what he's going to do from a head coaching level. But Sean Desai coming in, you know, uh, playing that role there's a lot of growth that he's going to need to have. Yes, he was a defensive coordinator with the Bears, you know, in 2021, but hasn't really been, you know, holding down major positions in the NFL for very long. Now, all of a sudden, he's got a lot of really young, talented players that he's got to maximize and get the most of. And it's been a long time since basically he's come in, had to do that for a lot of guys. Last year, he was the... You know, he was the assistant head coach and defensive assistant for the Seahawks. Before that, before he was the defensive coordinator for the Bears, he was a safeties coach. Now he's got a lot of guys in the front seven that are young, that are going to need to grow into that role. How does he get the most out of them? How does he get his coaching staff to get the most out of them? That's the number one question for me, because I think that was as awesome as Jalen Hurts was and as great as that offense was. Part of the reason why they were so formidable was how great that defense and specifically that defensive line was. Are they going to continue to live up to that with a new defensive coordinator? Yes, you know, Nick Sirianni's still around, but are they going to continue to live up for that and really continue to play at a high level with somebody who's coming in from the complete outside the organization and trying to get them to play that way? I mean, and it's not just the defensive side. On the offensive side, they lose Shane Steichen, and he's being replaced by Brian Johnson. And Johnson was has been there as the quarterback's coach. He was last year working mm-hmm. with Jalen Hurts. But before that, he was the you know offensive coordinator for one season at Florida. Now, it was Kyle Trask's big explosive year for the Florida offense, you know, over, you know, uh, 4,000 yards, like 43 touchdowns or something. So like he had a really good year as that offensive coordinator, but that was kind of his only experience doing that at the calling the plays, kind of controlling an entire offense. And that also comes with Dan Mullen, who still does kind of run that offense in general. So this is kind of a big step up for Brian Johnson, going from a guy working with just a quarterback to his only essential second year being an offensive coordinator kind of having the reins. I don't see Nick Sirianni as a guy that's going to take over a lot of that duty from him. He seems like he's the type of head coach that wants his coordinators to run their side of the ball so he can, you know, manage. And I don't mean that derogatory, but like kind of manage the rest of the team. So Brian Johnson's got a lot on his plate now. He's replacing Stane Steichen, who absolutely lit the NFL Mm. up with that offense. The what he did with Hertz and that offensive line and the way he designed that offense was nearly flawless for what they had. And now he's got big shoes to fill. And now you have the entire NFL's kind of on notice. Like if you go back and think to Patrick Mahomes' first year starting, how he torched the NFL. And like, he's not necessarily slowed down, 
but teams clearly adjusted for what he was doing. Brian Johnson now gets the hard part. He's got to deal with teams adjusting to what the Eagles did. I don't think teams are that interested in spending all summer looking at what the Chiefs offense is doing anymore. They've done it for five years. They don't have the answer yet, but guess what offense they might be able to find an answer to? The Eagles, because no one's had enough summer yet to look at it. So it's up to him to kind of deal with those counter punches and adjust. And I mean, I'm not saying he's not ready for it, but we haven't seen it. We don't know what that looks like where he's got to come in and kind of adapt on the fly. I think a big role that, you know, that they'll have as a staff is just to help kind of continue to facilitate the development of Jalen Hurts too. Because you talk about all this and and offensively and schematically, there's definitely some things that teams are going to pick up on and teams are going to kind of look a little bit harder at, and they're going to probably make some, you know, they might be making some different decisions and calls to keep the Eagles out of fourth and one fourth. And, you know, maybe they're a little bit more aggressive in some of these third down situations. And that's where it could fall on helping develop and facilitate the development of Jalen Hurts. Because if he can, you know, play at a high level, that can help uh, alleviate some of the, you know, growing pains that they might experience as teams have had a little bit of look uh, at them. Matt, do you have something you want to throw in here? I do. I wanted to ask you, what do you guys think the state of the Philadelphia Eagles equipment staff is at this moment (laughs) in time? Still uh, reeling, still reeling, still trying to figure out what cleats to use. Right, you know, now. that's I, what's happening. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what adjustments they've, you know, made. I'm sure they've made some personal adjustments, but uh, one thing's for sure, they definitely have some studs. Let's take a break. Yeah, we'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Thanks, everybody, hanging out. I think Craig Stout has left the building. Uh, after that incredible joke, uh, you terrible, know, terrible you joke. Are. Oh, that was good. I don't know what you're talking about. That was like Brandon Graham level of joke right there. Oh, uh, no, no, uh, that's it. Wasn't that bad? It wasn't that bad. I mean, look, got, behind the scenes, got our a, producer here, Nick, gives you a 1.3 out of 10. So that's generous. That that seems 1.2 too high. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Nick uh, is a new addition to the KC Laboratory, and yeah. we're going to talk about the new additions of the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me one, Craig. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nolan Smith. Um, 
guy that we loved in Kansas City, a guy that for a hot minute, a lot of us got really excited about coming to Kansas City in the mm. NFL draft, goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a home run pick. I have zero doubt in my mind that Nolan Smith is going to come into this organization and play at a high level. The mentality is great. The effort level is great. The production is going to be great. And he gets to shift into a defensive line that has Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick. I mean, good God. Like, the, this man gets to come in and basically be a tone setter, be a leader on the field as a rookie, which I truly believe he'll be able to do amongst a, a murderer's row of defensive linemen like those guys. He's going to be able to slot in. They're going to be able to continue to throw waves at, at opposing quarterbacks. I think that Nolan Smith is the guy that, when we look back on this, that we're going to go, oh, that's why they eventually let X player go in the future here, maybe in the next couple of years, because Nolan Smith is going to get to, you know, maybe a defensive one, end one level pretty quickly. And on this defensive line, that is really scary for them to have added him. So for me, I was going to go with Jalen Carter, kind of right there next to it, but that's too low-hanging fruit. We don't need to talk about Jalen Carter anymore. He's a stud. We all know he's good as long as he stays on the field. So I'm not going to take that one. We're going to go with a little bit of a sleeper here. Olamide Zacchaeus, wide mm. receiver, came over from the Atlanta Falcons off of a career year for 500 yards, three touchdowns, nothing groundbreaking. But what I think he's going to do for this offense is instead of having Quez Watkins just running skinny posts and seam routes and then maybe dropping the ball and let's say the Super Bowl, um, they're now getting a reliable slot wide receiver. They're getting somebody that I think can work you know, along with uh, A.J. Brown or along with Dallas Goddard as kind of that safety net, that safety blanket for Jalen Hurts, whether it's over the middle of the field, just someone to kind of work short to intermediate he's a reliable slot receiver he can do a lot of these gadgety things so if they want to get into more end around stuff getting a few more screens for non-aj brown type wide receivers i think he's a guy that might actually add this extra element this slot possession wide receiver that does a little bit of everything for them that they didn't have before it's a, just another reliable option that if this offense does have to alter its identity a little bit throw the ball a little bit more. I think he's a guy that could have a sneaky, impactful season for them, even if he only ends up, again, around 400, 500 yards. But I think it could make a big difference. I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I know Craig just brought up Nolan Smith, but I, I do want to just speak on a couple of the character or, you know character risks that the Eagles might have taken here with Jalen Carter, with Keely Ringo. Uh, I think both of those guys are, you know, Keely Ringo is a guy that, you know, was getting some round one buzz at one point. I think when we talk about looking at this team on paper, I, I, I kind of, I'm bringing, I'm coming back to this, but we talk about looking at this team on paper and look at some of these veterans and some of the leadership that they have. Like the, when I talk about roster construction, the thing I really appreciate it is they've got old veterans that still have something left in the tank and they're helping facilitate the next wave and issuing the next wave in of young talent with good leadership and infrastructure around them. And I think, if Jalen Carter is going to find success, which like apparently he was off a lot of boards, like a lot of boards. Mm -hmm. um, if he's going to find success, it's going to have to be a place like this. Keely Ringo, you know, uh, there's some concerns there, but there's, there's good leadership around him too. They took big swings with the draft capital they have on potential blue chip players. If they hit, look out. That's they might 
they might come close to beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again. Players to watch, Craig. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick in the cornerback room and go with James Bradbury, a uh, guy that was very late in the process last year, an addition for the Philadelphia Eagles, and was a second team All Pro. Was legitimately terrific for them in their defensive scheme. What are they getting from him now? They they obviously signed him to a new contract this offseason, kept him around for a little while longer, but a guy that, you know, did not look good, particularly good in New York and really kind of struggled to make an impact there. Is this kind of a spike where you saw you see one great year and he ends up getting paid because of it or is he going to continue to thrive behind that elite defensive line? I I think that he's a guy that they are definitely hedging here. They added Greedy Williams. They added Keely Ringo behind him. They are hoping that him and Darius Slay can kind of continue to mentor and bring along these new guys. But he is one that I'm keeping an eye on to see if the level of play that he played with is sustainable in this defense with a new defensive coordinator, new safeties around him. Is he going to be able to play that well? Because they got guys that are waiting in the wings that they're trying to move on and have a youth movement behind him. Can he continue an all pro level season? I'm going to steal this one from his number one hater, Kent Swanson. We're going Jalen Hurts, um, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one don't hater. Let, don't let Kent talk down about Jalen Hurts. He don't. was an exceptional quarterback last year. But I think it's different when you get to play the chip on your shoulder, when no one's ready for you to take that big step. Like, yeah, everybody saw that he was getting better towards the end of the year before and through that playoff run. And that's why he was, I believe he was my Super Bowl pick for the NFC actually last year when we did that prediction show. If not, the NFC championship game. So like, I thought it. he was better, but I didn't see that season he had coming. But now he's the guy with the target on his back. Now every team in the NFL wants to go beat this guy that was the MVP runner-up, this guy that almost won the MVP, almost won the Super Bowl with this different style of game. His game's different than a lot of other quarterbacks that are playing right now. Now every defender, every defensive coordinator wants to beat him. How is he going to adapt? How is he going to change his game? What is he going to learn? Something two years ago he was terrible at was kind of like throwing the ball over the middle of the field. Came back last year pretty darn good at it like he already made one change but what does he have next or is he not going to get there so like i'm intrigued to see what happens with jalen hurts going forward because i do think he is going to have to adjust his game again and I'm, I'm ready to see him take that step or did we see him peak already did we see his cam newton year uh, we don't know yeah we do no we don't <laughs> just kidding. i love i love jalen hurts don't let kid talk bad about this it. is this Listen, I, you seen his squat i would never say a negative ever, thing about jalen ever it's you. a joke especially man. you kent it is just especially you uh we haven't seen this team beat the chiefs but if they were to do so how would how would it look i mean it just Playing a complete game. This this team has the talent on the defensive side of the ball to affect the passer. And that is the way that you're going to beat this team is by disrupting Patrick Mahomes. And you look at their second and third line defenders, and it's still kind of scary what they can do to affect the passer. So it's definitely somebody that can pressure Patrick Mahomes routinely, can get after him a little bit. And the offense is definitely good enough to score points it is just simply playing to their potential and they can give the chiefs every bit a run for their money there this is one of those teams that if they play an 
A-minus game, not even an A-plus game, an A-minus game, and the Chiefs play a B-minus game, I think the Chiefs could lose. There are very few teams in the NFL that I truly believe that about. This is one of them that could clip the Chiefs by not playing a completely perfect game. Brandon Graham did – oh, go. Sorry. My bad. I was going to say it seems pretty simple, right? Like – the weather's better so that they don't have to, you know, adapt and overcome elements and deal with adversity. So they get perfect weather and the perfect field, but only for them, not for the opposing team. No, 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 just for them. They're the only team that gets to play in the perfect situation. And then they can beat the Chiefs. Then all their pass rushers can all of a sudden, you know, get their feet in the ground because the Chiefs pass rushers and players didn't deal with the same field. No, just them. So they get that going for them. That helps. And then, you know, Jalen Carter turns out to be a stud and can replace Hargrave one-to-one. And Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick all continue to have and don't have the same years last year. Nolan Smith steps up, and all these guys can come in here and rush the passer, you know, really well. It gets pressure on the Chiefs. They have the team built to beat the Chiefs, right? They can get pressure with four, and they have the talent on the back end to hold up. You just got to hope you don't play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes goes absolutely insane in the second half and just is better than you. On a bum ankle. That's the one little, you know, the, oh, sorry, my bad. He was acting. Yeah. He was acting, though. I forgot. He was yeah. acting. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I just hope five years from now, the farther removed we get from this Super Bowl, how much we talk about the fact that Mahomes did this all on a high ankle sprain when lesser quarterbacks couldn't sniff doing that, what he did. Just, you know. Uh, the, way the, the way the Eagles beat the Chiefs is they treat it like their Super Bowl. Because it's the only time that they're going to have a chance to beat the Chiefs, because it's the regular season. How'd That's, that go last time? Uh, how'd that? How did that go last time? Buffalo. Who's the Chiefs' non-Mahomes MVP though, Craig? Jawan Taylor. Um, you want to talk about being able to step up and stop an elite defensive line and give Patrick Mahomes the time that they need? You need to play at a high level. The Chiefs' offensive tackles, despite what some may say, played ridiculously well. And that Super Bowl were part of the reason, field notwithstanding, part of the reason why that team was able to do what they did in the second half. Jawan Taylor was brought in for games like this. This is why you pay a right tackle the kind of money that you pay because you want to be able to leave him on an island to pick up the waves and waves of rushers that are going to be coming off the other side of the field. So Jawan Taylor, this is a key game. He steps up, plays at a ridiculously high level. Mahomes is going to get all the gaudy stats and everything like that. But we might look back at that performance and say, oh, yeah, that's why they paid a right tackle $20 million. Did you know that Travis Kelsey's yards per target and yards per reception against the Philadelphia Eagles were his highest of the playoffs last year? Did you guys know that? Did you know that he was exceptional? In the Super Bowl, in the place against his best defense, his defense we're talking about that's so good all over these places and how they can shut the Chiefs down. Travis Kelsey went for 81 yards on six targets and a tug delicious. Hmm. Like, that's all he did. So you're going to sit here and tell me, you're going to sit here and tell me that he's not the non-Mahomes MVP when these two teams line up again. He's dealing with these backup linebackers trying to replace the starters. When he's feasting on Reed Blankenship and Terrell Edmonds at the safety position for this team, this defense has exactly one weakness, and it's right up the middle of the field. That's where Travis Kelsey lives. Kadarius Tony. 
running circles around the Philadelphia Eagles, presenting nightmares like he did uh, to them in the fourth quarter. You sure it's circles, or is it just one simple pivot cut? I don't know. Because they seem to struggle with that, too. It was enough. I think it was a cute triangle. Oh, you're right. We're going to take a cute break, and we'll be right back after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hey, we got a few spots left in the KCSN golf tournament, just so you guys know. Uh, there there are a few available. Um, go to givebutter.com slash KCSN. You'll be able to find a link there. It's in the link in the description of the show as well. But um, we are going to have all kinds of great stuff. I believe we're going to have a trick shot. Um, a trick shot artist out there. I believe there's going to be a long drive expert out there at one of the par fives. Mission Tacos providing the lunch. You're going to get pork tenderloin sandwiches, I believe, while you're on the course. And they're incredible. Just trust me. Top notch. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a really, really good time. There's a few more spots left. $500 a team. All the money goes towards the KCSN Foundation. Make sure you sign up before. I think we only have a couple spots left. So I uh, might want to do that. Link is in the description of the show. Well, the uh, Patrick Mahomes is winning uh, heavily and handily again in Vegas. They're going to have to change the name of the win golf course to Allegiant. And that's where Patrick Mahomes will be in week 12 against the Las Vegas Raiders. What's the quality of the roster? Man, uh, if, if I feel bad going from the Eagles to this team because they're not the <laughs> they're not the worst roster that we're going to talk about, but my goodness, it's such they're a big drop off here. Um, they got some defensive ends that can affect the passer. Uh, they really do. I think that that's a good element. They have Devonte Adams, who you know continued to have a terrific year with Derek Carr as his quarterback, but. There's not a whole hell of a lot else that I get excited about when I look at the rest of this roster. There are individual pieces that I think are good to okay, but there's not as many game changers and game breakers on this, nor is there kind of the floor of the roster that you would hope within the AFC West if they realistically want to compete. I look at this team and I say, okay, they're a team in transition that didn't fully make the transition over to trying to get into the youth movement to try and improve their roster significantly for the next three to four years. Instead, they're kind of in between trying to hope that Josh McDaniels can turn this around. It It's just a lot to put on this roster as it stands. I, frankly, it's just not to the level as some of the rest of the AFC West, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with this roster exactly. Um, their offensive line looks like a train wreck. Ugh. And that's significantly better than the linebacker room and probably better than the cornerback room. Like, I just don't know what's going on here. Like, I mean, listen to these names. Robert Spillane, Divine Diablo, Luke Masterson, Darian Butler, Curtis Bolton, Amari Burney. Like, that's linebackers on this depth chart. Like, what are we doing with that? Like, what... I like Divine Diablo as a safety. Now he's their Mike. Yeah. He's their Mike, and he's going to be flanked by Robert Spillane. Travis Masterson What's... on that '70s show. Well, it's a Luke Masterson. 
but yes, Luke Masterson. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, I just don't know what we're doing, right? Like I just don't know what's going on with this team. It's I can't even say it's bad because I just don't know. I just don't know what's going. The quarterback situation alone has Jimmy Garoppolo goes there, but then he doesn't go there because he maybe fails the physical, but then does go there. I just don't know what's happening with this team. I don't. That, that's the state of the roster. I just don't know what is going on. Neither does Mark Davis. Like, I, it, it's a mess. And, like, I know that they're trying to build this team in the image of, you know, what Josh McDaniels wants. But, like, you're right. I don't think Josh McDaniels knows what Josh McDaniels wants yet. Like, they're just kind of they're, – they're, they're rebuilding on the fly, but they're not – I mean, they didn't have anything to rebuild. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of moving on from one wave and, and on to the next. It's bizarre roster construction. It's not a good football team. It's not a good roster. And I love it personally. What's the quality of this? Okay, hold on, hold on, real quick. I agree it's not good. But like, if we come out and say that Max Crosby plays at a defensive player of the year level mm -hmm. and you get a good Chandler Jones year and Jimmy Garoppolo returns to a New England S thing under Josh McDaniels and they have Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Hunter and for like Josh Jacobs, like, there's enough potential star power that they might not be bad despite having one of the wonkiest rosters I've ever seen, right? Like yeah. there's enough yeah. there. There's yeah. enough there. It's weird. But this group's weird done team. nothing. This group's done nothing with a better quarterback. Like that group. Uh, that maybe. Oh, that group you just talked about did let or hasn't done much with a better quarterback. Their car's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I the, agree I, with Kent. Yeah. I actually think in McDaniel's system, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a better quarterback than Derek Carr. I don't know what stats are going to say by the end of the year. I think for that particular system, I actually don't think Derek Carr was particularly good for it. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better in that system, assuming he's healthy, which who knows? That's part of the problem. I'll just say this. Uh, there are props out there for Jimmy Garoppolo's, Garoppolo's over-under on passing yards in like the 3,400s. I think the under makes a lot of sense. That's all I'm I'm gonna say. What's the quality of this coaching staff, Craig? I mean, listen, we're we're now in year three billion of trying to figure out if Josh McDaniels is a head coach. Like it, at this point, that's your I, answer. It, it is. It kind of is. Like it, it's taken too long. It's not turning around. There are some fun things that Josh McDaniels does. I'm not saying that he's a bad offensive mind by any means, but by you know, time and time again, you just watch his roster either not play up to their potential or just kind of meh out of the season. And that's kind of what this is. It, it kind of matches up with the, the quality of the roster as well. And it's not like they made a bunch of changes behind the scenes to improve things. It's still Mick Lombardi. It's still Patrick Graham. It's the guys that they had last year. And while I respect the continuity, because when you sit there and you're consistently overhauling things, it rarely works out. But there was very little from last year that you looked at and you said, oh, man, yeah, no, that uh, all of those guys definitely need to be back. We believe in what they can do, especially when you didn't have a young quarterback that you were trying to develop or anything behind that. Your goal was to go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. And you're saying, okay, now we've got Josh McDaniel and Jimmy Garoppolo. So we're hoping that maybe we can get a little bit better than Derek Carr, who was still playing well, despite getting benched. I just, 
don't see how the how the roster or not the roster, but how the coaching staff really gets the most out of this roster, especially after watching the same coaching staff fail to do so last year. Yeah, I I think Josh McDaniels is a smart guy. I think he's got a great offensive system when he has the guys that are smart enough to to run it. I do think it's a complicated system. I think it requires a certain level of play style and demeanor, but I think when you have guys that can do it, it's really good. Uh, Mick Lombardi, another New England guy, is going to kind of come in, or not come in, but is in there. He's going to help him run it. It's like, I think the offensive system is good. The problem is finding... 11 guys to be out there on the field at once or, you know, 12, 13 is part of your rotation or up to snuff to run this offense. It is kind of complicated, but when it works, it works. So like, I think there's a chance that Josh McDaniel still can be a good offensive minded coach when it comes to being a head coach though, he's failed once before. And if he's in control of building this team right now, I have no clue where they're going with it. Like, I don't understand the building process if that's on his shoulders and why, you know, why would he leave New England for this job if he wasn't getting to build the team out, right? So I assume that is. So it looks like he might be running another team into the ground despite, like I said, I think being a very smart offensive coach. He's in a weird spot, kind of like the rest of this team is. I think he's a very broad offensive mind. I give him all the credit in the world. It wasn't just Tom Brady. Like, he has a fantastic offensive mind. I think he's one of those guys that has a fantastic offensive mind and the hubris placed in the wrong place. I think, you know, he's actively chosen to, it's either, it's either bad leadership or hubris because he scapegoated Derek Carr and Jason Waller and, or uh, Darren Waller, sorry. And I mean, he moved on from them and actively chose to move on from talent, which doesn't work at like, how often does that work for teams? How long, how often find examples of that working for organizations where they're actively moving on to get worse at positions and, and get the team better. that he left for the Raiders? Oof. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's I mean, it. it's the only example. The one, and right, the, right. You're, you're right. The one guy that's one. It, the one guy that has ever worked for ever. hall of fame, right. hall of fame coach. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. But I'm just saying he was there though, right? Like that's his that's his idea of what coaching is, right? Like that's all I'm saying is like that's what he has learned under. That's what he has coached under is we can get rid of the more talented player to get somebody that's going to buy into my system more so, I guess. That's all. That's all I was re- referring to with that. I think there is something in that process that is just extremely misguided. The way like it just it has it doesn't translate and it never I mean it never has. It never has. The guys that move on just never, never pull it off. I think this is, I think this is a bad staff. I think Josh McDaniels is a failure and it's going to be a waste again. And it's going to be up to Mark Davis to have to figure out how much cash he's going to have to give up to move on from them. So I could see this being a long tail developmental process. And obviously Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler kind of scapegoated the past to try to rebuild for the future and treat it like a big major rebuild because they moved on from some really talented guys and scapegoated them when their team stunk out loud last year mm-hmm. with them. And now you've downgraded one of your pass catching weapons and your quarterback. So I just don't think highly of this staff. I don't think highly of Josh McDaniels as a leader. I just don't. And I don't, the vibes in, in Vegas have not been good since he stepped in there. And it's delicious. Any new additions, Craig? Yeah. Um, 
Michael Mayer's a really good football player, everybody. Uh, how he ended up in the second round, I'm not sure. Uh, this this dude's a first-round tight end. And I realize first-round tight ends have not historically been, you know, super awesome unless they're, like, truly elite talents. Michael Mayer is going to do everything within Josh McDaniel's system. And I mean everything. He's going to line up. He's going to block well as an inline blocker. He's going to be able to kick out to the slot and operate well. He's going to be able to, you know, kind of live in the backfield a little bit and get on the move. Michael Mayer is a truly terrific talent that I'm a little bit mad that the Raiders were able to add to their roster. I think a lot of people are going to naturally kind of look at him and go, okay, so he's going to replace Darren Waller, completely different players. You're not asking him to, you know, run the seam in the same way as Darren Waller. You're not asking to volume feed him the ball in the same way as Darren Waller's. But within every single play that Josh McDaniels is going to call, Michael Mayer is going to have a very specific thing that he's going to do well and going to contribute well within that specific play. So I think this was a great pick. For the, for the Raiders, I'm a little mad that they ended up with him and get another truly great tight end to add to their roster here. It just isn't going to matter truly because of what they have on their offense, but a really good pick nonetheless. So I'm sitting here, and I feel like it's only fair. I, I went with Kent's like Kent was the leader of the hater bandwagon for Jalen Hurts, the player to watch last time. So this time I'm going to go with the guy that he was like the, the leader of the fan base for. You know, uh-huh. he was driving the bus for the Aiden O'Connell hype train. Mm-hmm. So Aiden O'Connell's going to come in. He's probably slated as the third-string quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. But here's a guy that if you listen to our show, the draft shows, Kent was pounding the table from like round five on every single time we did a mock draft to get Aiden O'Connell into a Chiefs uniform. He ended up in the division. He got the division right. So he's with the Raiders. Let's see if Aiden O'Connell can go out there and beat out Brian Hoyer for the backup job. Maybe he beats out a slightly injured Jimmy G for the starting job. And then we get to see Kent's guy line up across from our Kansas City Chiefs. I, Reigning world champions. I truly believe that Aiden O'Connell is taking snaps this season. I really, truly so, believe that. I do so too. Hashtag the under. <laughs> on Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, no, I shout out Aiden O'Connell. I'm happy for him. I wish it wasn't in Vegas, but I am happy for him getting drafted in the fourth round. Uh, speaking of uh, Josh McDaniels just trying to copy paste New England, Jacoby Myers is in the building. Uh, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I, I don't know if he, I don't know if Josh McDaniels hates Hunter Renfro, but weird fit. Don't like it, but they'll figure it out, I guess. But hey, another example of the Raider of the of the Raiders trying to carbon copy the Patriots without Tom Brady. Just fantastic. Do we even need to ask? We could do players to watch. No, wait. Yeah, players to watch. We got to do players to watch still, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll go Max Crosby because he's the defensive player that matters on 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 this side of the ball. Sure, there's other guys. Tyree Wilson, first round pick. I I like Tyree Wilson a lot. He's got some room to grow in the role. I'm not expecting a a ton of year one out of him. Chandler Jones could still be good. I'm a Nate Hobbs and a Trevon Morig fan as well. Like I I am, but it's realistically the Max Crosby show. This defense is going to go just as far. As he goes, Maddie kind of alluded to some of this before he could play at a defensive player of the year level and it may not matter. Like it really might not like that's how bad the rest of this defense is and how high of a potential 
that he has. So I, I think that he is the entire tempo of this defense, and he is the reason that it could be not, you know, bottom third of the league. But that is a lot of pressure to put on that singular guy to say, okay, you got to go out and do all of this yourself. It, it's just a lot. Man, players to watch in this team's rough, huh? Yeah. Um, Mahomes, I, you just know, watch Mahomes. I would go with Hunter Renfro because there was like the rumors that he was maybe on the trade block. They they're shopping. Heck, they might even still cut him. So I guess what I'm watching to see if he's even on the team, right? But like, well, what's happening with Hunter Renfro? Because I two years ago he was seen as like this excellent receiver that everybody's gonna love, and then last year there was a slight step back, which was odd. Given Josh McDaniels coming in, you would think that he was going to be the guy to perfectly use Hunter Infro, and it just it never seemed to mesh. Maybe part of getting Waller out the door somehow is going to help that. Maybe a second year in the system is going to help that. I don't know, but like, I'm intrigued what Hunter Infro does this next second season here with Josh McDaniels. Tyree Wilson, I'm very fascinated to see him because if you're looking at the way that the Raiders really start turning this thing around a little bit it's going to be continuing to those assets to continue to develop on the defensive line. So you're, you know, Chandler Jones bounce back, Max Crosby stays Max Crosby. And then you got Tyree, Tyree Wilson in the mix here. Like that is a monstrous human. Like I was watching the NFL draft the other day and watching him come out of the green room is just terrifying. That is like, you don't appreciate the kind of metrics that that guy possesses. Now there's a lot of football that he has to learn still. But man, if he's developing, that's a scary sign because that's a building block that the Raiders have to kind of help, you know, accelerate this thing until they find a quarterback that's remotely capable of sniffing Patrick LeVon Holmes, which still won't happen. Uh, how does this team beat the Chiefs? Can we just move on? Yeah, they don't. They okay. just don't. They yeah. don't. And it, it was a little shocking to me to see some NFL analysts when they were looking through the Chiefs schedule picking that the Raiders on a short week to kind of clip the chiefs. I, I understood, you know, trying to find that one loss that the chiefs are going to try and have throughout the season, picking the short week against the divisional opponent, all of that aligns just by the time these two teams are going to meet, like who knows what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, who knows if they're going to be playing hard for Josh McDaniels anymore. Like, I, I just don't think that there is a truly viable path short of the chiefs completely overlooking them for the Raiders to come up with a victory. Um, man, I don't know how they get there. Even on a cheese bad day, I don't know how they get there. It's going to be one of those any given Sunday type of things where everything goes wrong for the Chiefs. Everything goes right for the Raiders. The problem is I just don't know if they have the the grit, the mentality. They're not the Colts. They can't get the Chiefs and drag them into this mud and rock fight and then come out on top because the Chiefs keep shooting themselves in the foot. The Raiders will do the same and they're not going to play a clean game. It's like, it's just, it's hard to get there. Josh McDaniels will be blaming Jimmy Garoppolo by this point in the season oh. when they play. So there's that. Who's the Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP, Craig? Uh, anybody on the Chiefs defensive line. This offensive line is not good. It's really going to struggle with whoever is lined up opposite it, obviously. Chris Jones is the easy answer here, but I picked him already. I've also picked Charles Aminahue. I've also picked Mike Dana. Let's go Turk Wharton. Turk Wharton in a late season performance shows up, has uh, three pressures and a sack, impacts the game throughout it. I just don't think that they've got enough to stop what the Chiefs have on their interior and certainly not on the edges. But 
it's going to be kind of a bloodbath in the trenches for the Raiders. So appreciate the Pats fans coming in here to watch as well. We always appreciate any fans from other teams. Um, I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey as the uh, Chiefs MVP, not named. It's a bit. It's the bit. I'm, I'm choosing Travis Kelsey every week. If you skip this part, you won't know that next week. It'll be a nice, fun surprise for you if you hear listening. This Wait. is a bit? Wait until you hear my awesome explanation that I come up with off the hip next week, guys. My non-Mahomes MVP is Blaine Gabbert. He's going to eat some precious snaps up when this game's out of hand, so Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting KC Sports Network. We genuinely appreciate it. Shout outs the Bay Area for catching another L at the hands of Patrick LaVon Mahomes. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.